How's it going, Chiefs Kingdom? And welcome to episode 64 of the Great British Chiefs Show with your boys from the kingdom, representing the kingdom, myself, Brad Simcox, and standing in for Tom Childs this week, we have fellow Hourhead Pride contributor, Rocky McGanya. In this week's show, Rocky and I will be picking through the bones of yet another frustrating loss for the Chiefs against the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll check in to see how the loss affects the power rankings in the media circles, and we'll end the show with our first deep dive into the Chiefs' Week 14 opponents, the Denver Broncos. But first... My lover's got no money, he's got his strong beliefs. My lover's got no power, he's got his strong beliefs. My lover's got no faith... So it's time to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. No one posted more points or scored more goals in the group stages than England. But from now on, there are no second chances. This is Kane. Bellingham's made a really intelligent run. Bursting, trying to get away from Diallo. Here's Jordan Henderson! Now they've done the damage! England fans can sit a little more comfortably now! Welcome to the show, mate. How are you doing? Hey. How's things? Oh, man. Anytime I get to travel across the pond and uh, <laughs> hang out over in uh, in the good old uh, United Kingdom, it's always a, uh, a fun time. Oh, it's know? great. It's nice to have a bit of an American flavor on the show for once in this British show. So uh, it's uh, really, really, okay. really going to bring your ratings down. I think actually you guys get a lot of those five star reviews and you're going to get a, you're going to get like a, like a two and a half at best on, <laughs> on this episode. They'll say, you know, we really log in for the accent and we got this Midwestern guy here. He's just really bringing the show down. <laughs> Well, we just heard a bit of a segment on the uh, the FIFA World Cup. This is our part of the show where we do the butt first and we do uh, a bit of a FIFA World Cup segment at the minute because a uh, bit of news coming out of that World Cup at the minute. Obviously, England are through to the quarterfinals, which is great. I've beaten Senegal 3-0. Uh, but unfortunately, the USA crash out. 
um, against the Netherlands. Now, it was going to be a tough ask with the Netherlands, wasn't it? Because the Netherlands are a, a very good team, very good European team. Um, the USA did very well against England, obviously, in the groups. But, yeah, they didn't it didn't seem to have that flavour with them, did they, in the, against the Netherlands? There was nothing, seemed to be no spark there from the, uh, from the US men's team. No, I think I think with this U.S. men's team, a lot of effort went in just getting out of the group stage. Like they weren't even necessarily expected to get out of the group stage. And this is a team on the rise. The U- team USA, yeah. they're they're a team in transition. This World Cup, you know, um, you know, you got you got Pulisic, you got guys like Sergio Dest, you know, on the back line, who's really an up and coming player. But when you're talking about going against a European powerhouse like England, it's yet you're happy with the draw. It's a loss for England when they draw to the U S and it's a win for the U S when they draw to England. And so you can't expect that back-to-back games necessarily when you're going up against Netherlands right after that. I mean, you know, they got, they're, they're stacked, aren't they? Right. The Netherlands, you know, they got Memphis oh, Depay, yeah. like, you know, they got Dijon. He's pretty like he's been there for since I don't know, ages. <laughs> like, like, like literally since the beginning of time, Dijon's yeah. been playing for the Netherlands. Um, so there it, it was a tough ask. Yeah, the, the, the American men's team seemed to be in a bit of a situation similar to what the England team in the England men's team, because your women do it better than the men. Our women do it better than the men. So the women's game seems to be we should be kind of turning our attention a bit more to the women's game, right? A hundred well, I mean, it's like it's like our personal households. The women are just better. <laughs> they're just absolutely better. every. They're just better than us. I mean, we are. We're 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 subpar human beings. At least myself. You know, I'm a bit of a degenerate, <laughs> and my wife is a much better human being than I am. I am. I am batting way out of my league. You know. Yeah. 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 Same here, mate. But let's not let. Don't let them know that, please. Just don't. <laughs> don't let them know that. Don't let them realize that uh, that situation. Obviously, you've been watching a little bit of the World Cup. Um, have you got a favorite at the moment? Because uh, me and Tom had some favorites at the beginning of the uh, beginning of the, the FIFA World Cup, and uh, I, I suppose one of my one of my main favorites. I said Argentina. They kind of split a little bit in the in the in the, you know in the, the group stage. They're through, but through the skin of the teeth they were anyway. Put it that way. Um, and I think we had, I think I, I mentioned Uruguay, one of my dark horses. They went out in the group stage as well. Um, there's just a lot of things happening at the minute in this World Cup that are really surprising people, especially like the games like Japan beating Germany and, you know, the, the, I think Argentina getting beaten by, uh, I can't remember who it was now, but they got beat, didn't they, um, by uh, by a supposedly inferior team. But is there a, is there a particular favourite coming out of these, you know, the last 16 games that you think... Yeah, they might have a shot at this. Or you think, wow, those guys are hot right now. I mean, honestly, it's Morocco now for me. I mean, <laughs> you're all in Morocco. As, as a as a Mexican American, the Spanish are the colonizers, man. Anybody anybody <laughs> who fights and beats off the colonizers, you know, Morocco was a colonized nation as well. So I'm all about fighting off the colonizers. I hope I you know, I hope any team that goes against England and goes against Spain, I'm rooting for. You know, heck, France, France helped us in the war for independence. So I'm pro France and I'm pro Morocco right now. <laughs> so you're against all the colonizer teams. Is that what you say? So you bring in history mm-hmm. into the World Cup and you bring in geography a, into it and everything. <laughs> I have a very long memory. I never forget, even if I didn't exist and nobody I knew existed at that point in time. And even if my Mexican-American family originated in Spain, I identify as, an, as a Mexican-American <laughs> And not as a Spanish, 
individuals. So, uh, yeah, no, fight the colonizers at all at all oh, costs. Wow. You know, so, so rage you, against the machine. <laughs> so, what what are your uh, your favorites? I suppose against with England and France because obviously both of them are colonizers over the years. Come on, who are you going with? Well, because but France helped us because France hated the English so much <laughs> that they helped us in the war for independence, and so. And, and here's the here's the tricky part about it is that I'm saying I'm pro Morocco, but Morocco colonized. I mean, France colonized Morocco, right? And so, <laughs> and so it's it really is kind of a whirlwind of emotions, and I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here. But uh, I think I'm gonna have to go with Morocco as my new favorite. I have to I have to get studied up on the Moroccan squad because I don't know them quite as well as I know some of the other yeah. powerhouse nations. But uh, either that or France. France has always played a really fun brand of brand of soccer yeah um you know and they got a lot of fun players especially on on, on the front line you know oh yeah and exactly so, you know, mbappe so, seems to be the one that everyone's uh, talking about and you know that's somebody you have to deal with i suppose with that friends team but uh, i mean he's but you still player. got Giroud and griezmann and Dembele, yeah. and i mean like they're stacked on the front line like they're gonna be coming at you and just taking shots you know you know all day long and so they're gonna give your keeper a run for his money no matter what yeah, I, I suppose England are quite hated across the world. Uh, if we're talking about history and stuff like that, I mean, England kind of took over two thirds of the world. So uh, yeah, I can see that. There's, I can see why there's a lot of hate. Put it that way. I can see why it's a the, game a of percentages. <laughs> yeah, it's a game of percentages. It's just it's just against you. And then my wife, you know, she lived in Ireland for a while. So you oh. know, there's a even though she she was born and raised in America in America here in Florida. Uh, she she got her master's degree in Dublin, so you know there's it, it just it just even a little bit more anti English just kind of bred into our family line. But I uh, got you on the show, rookie. You really are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling it now. I'm feeling the hate across everything. But we're used uh, to it. We're, us Brits, we're used to it. <laughs> um, right, we're here for a Chiefs podcast because uh, obviously Tom, uh, as I mentioned at the start of the show, Tom isn't with us uh, this week. I think he's probably drank too much again, probably watching the World Cup. He said he was going to disappear every time the, you know, England wins a game. But um, yeah, we haven't got Tom this week. Hopefully we get him back next week. So, um, you know, it, I'm sure he'll be listening to this. So shout out to Tom Childs. Um, missing you much, buddy, but I've got my mate Rocky here with us. So that's all good. Uh, right. I heard you on the Rapid Reaction show, Rocky. With uh, with our good friend Steve Serda, and there was a lot of emotion in your voice coming from that game. Um, and I think you spoke for the whole of Chiefs Kingdom when you mentioned the defense was lackluster. It just didn't look like the defense that we were expecting throughout the you know the rest of the season that we had. You know, we've given the defense a lot of love on this show. Uh, Tom and I have both you know really shouted out the defense every week that they've been phenomenal, they've been really good, and we've been very confident in the fact that this young defensive unit has been doing well and keeping the Chiefs in games, especially with the offense. Um, but it didn't happen in this game, did it? It really didn't happen. It really didn't happen because uh, you mentioned, obviously, the defensive line uh, in the show. Um, I just wanted to explore that a little bit more because have you felt that all the time about the defensive line or is it just come about from this one game or is it just something that you thought it's been a bit of a niggle for me all the way through the season and now it's kind of only just coming to light when you're playing a, a team against the Bengals? I mean, it's it's kind of always been a little bit in the back of your mind yeah. that Chris Jones is great when he's not playing against great competition. 
But if you think about the biggest games that the Chiefs have had in, in, in the history, you think back to the Super Bowl run, you think back to all these things, mm-hmm. where's that standout Chris Jones moment in those big victories against really, really tough teams? You can think of last year in the AFC Championship game where he missed the sack. You can think of yesterday, of this past weekend, where he 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 didn't show up at all. And outside of Chris Jones, our pass rush is basically non-existent. Like Carlos, like we like we praise guys like Melvin Ingram and Carlos Dunlap when they come in the team and they're serviceable. Like mm-hmm. they're not; these guys aren't Pro Bowlers. Like Carlos Dunlap's not going to make the Pro Bowl this year. Like he's a he's a serviceable defensive end. But when you look at all the resources we pumped in to the pass rush, we should have a better pass rush than than beating than, than, than being unable to beat one on one against the Cincinnati Bengals. The Cincinnati Bengals offensive line is mediocre, mm-hmm. and we couldn't we got one QB hit against a mediocre offensive lineman. That's that's our pass rush. That's who our pass rush is. And if you're going to go on a deep playoff run, you're going to have to be able to get to the quarterback. One QB hit is not going to beat a playoff team. you got to put pressure on the quarterback if you want to win championships. It's an interesting look at that, actually, because you obviously saying there's a lot of money sunk into this into this defensive line. And you're quite right. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot on shore there. And there's a there's a lot of um, picks there as well. There's a lot of draft picks in there that have been really high draft picks. I mean, you know, looking at, you know, both if you figure in. Yeah. Frank Frank Clark is a first round draft pick, essentially, yeah. right? You know, and if you look at the if you look at the salary that sunk in to the front floor front four for the Chiefs, it's twenty six percent of our salary cap wow. is is on the defensive line. That's a lot. Now, I mean, that's that's yeah. like that. You need to be getting some production, especially against the Bengals' uh, offensive unit as well, offensive line, because. It happened last year, didn't it? Um, you know, everybody was expecting that uh, Burrow would be on his ass more than anything else uh, in the championship game. And I don't think we even got a hit on him once. Um, it, it just, it's very lackluster. It's very disappointing. And there was also that point as well in the game where it was almost like a, a side block, wasn't it? That um, that Chris Jones was almost through. He was, he, he had a, you know, he found a gap through the middle and he was hit on the side by, was it uh, P. Ryan? I think it might have been. Um, yeah, he, I think so, yeah. literally took him out, didn't he? Um, and when you're an offensive player like Burrow and you've, you've got the confidence in that offensive line unit, yes, they're not great players. Yes, they're not obviously the, you know, the the the, the top offensive line of the, of, of the season or of the league so far. But if you've got that confidence, I mean, you can sit behind that offensive line all day, can't you? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's the whole thing is that's the most dangerous thing about it. So like, like as Chiefs fans, we like to try to think that we're a better team than the Bengals. Mm-hmm. I mean, history has kind of proven other, otherwise. And until we beat the Bengals, I'm reluctant to say that anymore and to pick the Chiefs to yeah. win against the Bengals because the Bengals have shown that they're a mentally, a mentally tough team that plays physically tough and rises to the occasion. So hats off to them. They played a great game, but when you're playing a team that you think you're supposed to beat, the worst thing you can do is give them confidence, yeah. right? Like you don't want them to think that they belong on the same field with you. You're supposed to go out there and smack them at the very beginning and keep smacking them until they're completely broken. And then you just walk away with the game. But the worst thing you could do is give a, a mediocre, you know, offensive line, like the, like the Bengals is, is confidence that they're going to be able to stop you. You know, that they, that they know what you're, when you're going to blitz and they're going to pick up the blitz. I mean, that was the whole thing is that it wasn't that the chiefs weren't blitzing 
on Sunday. You're not supposed to blitz Joe Burrow. He's one of the <laughs> best quarterbacks against the blitz, yeah. but we couldn't get any pressure, so Spags had no choice but to try to bring pressure via the blitz, and we still couldn't get home. Mm-hmm. We'd bring six guys, and we couldn't get we couldn't get past five, you know, or or five in the running back. But still, like we're talking one on one matchups. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about double teams. We're talking one on one matchups. The Chiefs couldn't win on Sunday, and if you can't beat your man, that's the problem. You got to be able to beat your one on one your one on one matchups. Yeah, the the it's, well, one of the main one on one matchups was. Uh... Was P Ryan, wasn't he? Uh, you know, hit that guy just seemed to run riot. And uh the Chiefs defense, I've never seen such lackluster tackling from a defensive unit in a long time. I mean, you know, yes, you a lot of the time the players aren't big, but you know, the, the, the defensive players that we've got aren't big players, but you expect them to like, at least lay in a hit or at least team up on someone like P Ryan, especially when he's been running on you all game. Um the, the the tackling was just poor and especially in like real kind of, uh, you know, important situations, you know, when there's, you know, there's a third down on and it's, and you've got a player who's literally made that connection with P Ryan and he still manages to wriggle free. And I think the, the same thing happened with chase as well, didn't it? And one, I think it was a third down op- option there. Um, and, and chase just, he wriggled free, he managed to get three and, and it was three chiefs players bearing down on him. And it just, frustrating i mean that was the key thing it was just a frustrating game everybody felt it and like i said i could hear you in your voice during the rapid reaction show that you were just like you were just wanting to get a hold of someone and just shake them weren't you oh, oh man i was just i was just happy i didn't accidentally drop a couple f-bombs you know <laughs> that i and that i i didn't you know get Pete, you know, calling me up, you know, the next morning saying, Hey Rocky, you know, how about we don't drop F-bombs on that, on the rapid reaction show. <laughs> and I kept it, <clears throat> I kept it PG and, you know, and, and, yeah. and family oriented for the most part, but you're absolutely right about the tackling. Like the chiefs on Sunday, just, they just lacked the poor fundamentals of tackling. Mm. Like they were going in high, trying to arm tackle a running back. Like you had that, that once that one stiff arm that I highlighted in um, the five things we learned article over on Arrowhead Pride, where Justin Reed comes in on P Ryan and tries to arm tackle him up top and just gets stiff armed into the into an yeah. early grave, like just like he was just dead after that. Um, and it's because you're a defensive back trying to arm tackle a running back up high, like drop your hips, get low, attack his belt buckle, and drive through him. Mm-hmm. Like that's the fundamentals of tackling that they teach you in Pee Wee football. Right. And we have these guys out there who are making millions of dollars who are professional football players on one of the best teams in the NFL. And they don't know the fundamental. They're not well, they know it, but they're not practicing the fundamentals of tackling and you're seeing it. And another thing, you know, not to get on too much of a pulpit here, but when you sit there and you see your linebackers on the snap and their first reaction is to take a step backwards, Mm. you know, there's an issue. Like even if the and these are, we're not talking these aren't these aren't passing plays where they're dropping into zone coverage. We're talking they're they're reading the run on those plays and they're still taking a step backwards, mm-hmm. right? And then they're trying to move laterally and then get downhill. Like like at that point, the offensive lineman is is in your chest and driving you backwards even further. And that's where you see P Ryan picking up five six yards a carry. And then yeah, of course you're not able to drive through the guy and tackle him. You, you're going backwards. You're flat-footed, moving backwards instead of driving downhill. Yeah, there seemed to be a lot of business decisions going on. I think in this game, that's what it felt like. 
because um, we've seen these players, we've seen especially the players like you know like like Bolton is another hard hitting tackler, but he, even he had a few issues, especially when it came to uh, to trying to stop Pirine. He seemed to be the key player in this game. Um, that was the engine. It was the mortar for uh, for the Bengals to keep you know continuing keeping these drives flowing and keeping them going because when you've got somebody like P Ryan, then you can, you know, fling it out to somebody like Chase, you know, it keeps that defense guessing all the time and keeps it honest, doesn't it? But yeah, frustrating times, but um, let's flip it over actually to, uh, to um, the other defensive unit, which is obviously the Bengals and Lou Anarumo. He just seems to handle Mahomes and court and he seems to know exactly how to stifle this offense. Can we get the guy at the Chiefs, at least? Just bring him over. I mean, just just, just get him off the Bengals kind of defensive coordinator uh, list and just get him over to the uh, over to the Chiefs so that we can actually at least figure out how he's managed to uh, find a, this, this fabled blueprint on Patrick Mahomes. Do you, I mean, it, what do you do? What do you do with this guy? Because he, he the, the Chiefs came in with a game plan was mainly to use the run run by committee, wasn't it? Run heavy offense. Um, you can see that even in the numbers because obviously Mahomes only, you know, he had sixteen for twenty seven. The Chiefs came in thinking, well, you know, in the cha- in the championship game, we tried passing it and passing it and passing it to to the cows come home, and it didn't work. So let's try a run heavy option here. Let's try a run heavy unit, and again. Anarumo, Anarumo, I still can't say his name, Anarumo still managed to stifle it out and, and work out what was going wrong, you know, what the Chiefs were up to. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't something like in the previous games where we saw the Chiefs go off into a, a good lead and then second half they made the, you know, the Bengals made the adjust, adjustments um, and then the Chiefs lose the game. It was literally from the word go. The Chiefs were behind, they were up against it, they were, they were chasing the game a lot and still sticking to that run game. Where do you even start to try and break down this 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 Bengals defense? Because they haven't got the star players that everyone expects, and especially somebody like you know when you look at at, at the last three games we played them, they've had the Chiefs' number. If it's not all game, it's half of the game, but they still manage to find a way. I mean, how do you even how do you even compete with that? Well, I think the first thing is that you do have to take your hat off to. To Lou and a room Roombo. And now you got me. Now you got me doing it. Uh, Lou Lou and a Roombo. You got to take your hat <laughs> off to him. He's he's been in the game for a long time, and he's he's a great coach. And he yeah. he really one thing that he really I think really excelled in against the Chiefs is he has his button on the tempo of the game and the feel of the game, and he knows when to dial up pressure and when to drop back. You know, and that and, and that crucial last third down against the Chiefs, he showed pressure on that play, and he'd been showing pressure mm-hmm. kind of all day long in that in that look. And so Mahomes saw it, and Mahomes read blitz right. And then what happened on that play? They dropped back, they mm-hmm. faked blitz, and they dropped back into zone. And so every defensive coordinator kind of does those sort of things throughout the course of the game. And it's all, you know, like the gamesmanship of trying to, trying to confuse a quarterback and Mahomes is really good at reading those things. But for some reason, Lou Anarumbo seems to be a little bit better at, at, at calling those switch outs at mm-hmm. the right moment and catching Mahomes off guard. Like nobody really catches Mahomes off guard, but for some reason, 
the Bengals have found a way, you know, in these games in crucial moments and important moments to get that switch out. And then also he just, he like, they're not the most talented defense, but they're tough and they have attitude and they play physical mm-hmm. and they're not going to, and they're not going to back down from you. And you saw that in the Kelsey fumble, like they're going to gang tackle. And when they get their hands on you, they're just going to sit there and pound away and rip away at the ball and try to create a turnover by any means necessary. Right. Like Kelsey really didn't do anything wrong in that fumble situation. No, you know, he tries to fight for yards. We see him fight for extra yards all the time and hold on to the ball. And he was trying to hold on to the ball, but they, they had, they got four guys around him. They held him up and they just started yanking at the ball. And that's what, that's what, that's what you teach your defender, your defenders to do in that situation. They're just a, a really well-coached unit, you know, when it comes down to it and they just, and they executed. Yeah. I mean, quite a few Chiefs fans were putting the blame on Kelsey for that saying it was a, you know, the, the game was a, a Kelsey fumble away from being something completely different and you know, a different scoreline. But, you know, you, it's unfair on Kelsey to say that because like we said, you know, he does try to find the extra yards. It, that That's his game. He tries to find the extra yards and a lot of time he does it. I mean, every now and again, something like this happens. Um, it's just football, isn't it? It's, 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 it's the game that we all know and love, but um, I just wanted to go on, um, on the actual run game itself for the Chiefs because uh, um, Pacheco and McKinnon, uh, an unlikely pairing, I would say. At the beginning of the season, it was very much an unlikely pairing. I mean, everybody was looking forward to seeing how Pacheco could perform in this team. Um, CEH obviously had the gig as being RB1. Um, McKinnon was floating around, uh, not really getting a look in. It was, um, you know, he, he's he's more of a utility kind of guy, isn't he? Um, he's there if we need him. But this pairing at the minute, they seem to be getting a lot of traction in this run game, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they're great. I mean, you're going to get the physicality out of, out of Isaiah Pacheco. For better or worse, he seeks. He sometimes seems like he's seeking contact out there. You know, there may be a hole, but he wants to try to run through a guy instead, and so maybe he won't hit the hole that's there. Um, but with that physicality, he's going to get yards after contact, and he's gonna he's going to be successful. So, like, I, I'm a big fan of Pacheco, and then with McKinnon. The thing with McKinnon is he's the guy who does the little things right for you. And because of that, he's very successful. He's excellent at pass protection and he's excellent in the screen game. Right. You know, and those are two things that you need out of a third down back. Like if you're going to drop a third down back, you want a guy who can protect the quarterback and a guy who can catch the ball and then, and then get yards after the catch, you know, on that third down play where Mahomes was looking, was looking pressure and they dropped eight. When they dropped back that eight, they left the flats open, and McKinnon was actually open on that play, but Mahomes wasn't expecting him to be, wasn't expecting to have him open there, and so Mahomes missed him. But, I mean, honestly, if you look back to these Bengals losses that we've had, if we went to McKinnon a little bit more in the passing game and in the screen game, it may have been the difference. You know, honestly, like like like, like, like we've, we've found some real success with McKinnon in the passing game against the Bengals. A lot's been said about the MVP race this season, and there's quite a few players in this, um, all mainly QBs, um, as it always seems to be the MVP race, doesn't it? It always seems to be uh, QBs are favoured over everybody else. But um, going into this game, Mahomes was obviously one of the hot favourites going in as being the the season MVP. And and looking around social media at the minute, there seems to be a lot of people doubting that now. And it's crazy to say that. When When you see Mahomes and how he's handled... The fact that his two tackles are probably the most 
um, what, what was the stat I saw? I think it was something like both tackles have given up the most pressures in the entire league this year. And, and, and they're both starting tackles for Patrick Mahomes. That's when you start thinking, well, he's, he's clearly doing something because the team's still nine and three. Let's not forget that. This, the team's still nine and three. They had a really difficult start to the season because obviously the, 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 the level of competition that they had at the beginning of the season. Mahomes is still at the forefront of being the MVP, but it's games like this that almost gives it a slight knock off the balance, doesn't it? That a lot of people then say, well, it's clearly not Mahomes because he can't beat Joe Burrow. But Joe Burrow, we start, we as Chiefs fans now, we need to look at Joe Burrow's thing as, as basically saying, that guy, we doffed our cap to you. You seem to have our number. You have ice in your veins. You know how to beat us. And until we actually find a way of beating you, you are going to be our kryptonite from this point forward, right? Three games in a row now, that's it. The, the, the Chiefs cannot beat the Bengals. Um, and a game like this, yes, it's had a, a, a kind of big repercussions because it means the Chiefs have kind of lost the first seed, the one seed in the in the AFC. And again, it's Joe Burrow who's, who's, who's put the spanner in the works. But surely now people can't still be talking about the fact that Mahomes is not number one in the MVP race. I mean, surely, yes, he has had a bit of a knock, but look at how he played. Look at the touchdown. He, he, he took the game by the scruff of its neck and got that touchdown, that almost air Mahomes touchdown that he did, that everyone's nicknaming. Um, he, he really kind of brought the game, but he was obviously let down in this game, um, whether it was the actual play calling or the actual scheme that they were thinking that it was all going to be run heavy. It has affected his numbers because of that run heavy style that we had at the beginning of the, at the start of the game. But do you see Mahomes now dropping out of the MVP race? Listen, it's crazy, isn't it? People have to sell clicks <laughs> and they have to fill airtime just like we have to fill airtime. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but it's all recency bias, right? They say, yeah. oh, well, and it's not even that Mahomes had a bad game. It's that the Chiefs lost, which they, they put that on a Mahomes loss. Mm. Mahomes didn't lose us this game. On a, honestly, he didn't lose us this game. Was it his most star-studded, amazing performance we've ever seen out of him? No, but he was still good in this game. Mahomes didn't play a bad game. He didn't throw three interceptions and fumble the ball and throw for 175 and a touchdown, right? You know, like that wasn't that wasn't what happened out there. Um, but you, what you have is, is people who say, oh, well, this happened this week, so this has to be what's going to count for the rest of the season. And it's just literally just like, a dog going squirrel, 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 <laughs> just back and forth, back and squirrel. forth. You know, whatever the flavor of the week is, is what these people are going after. Yeah. And a lot of it is a hundred percent because they're trying to drive content. They're trying to drive the discussion. They're trying to get us to talk about it here on the podcast, you know, to make the situation relevant. Um, and no, he's still the front runner. I still think he's going to win it. I mean, if the chiefs win out, for the rest of the season, which, which knock on wood is very probable. Mm -hmm. Then that means that Mahomes is just, you know, he's ran the table the rest of the season. He ends on a win streak and it's a regular season award. Right. You know, yeah. like, like there's no way that if Mahomes, if the chiefs went out that Mahomes doesn't win the MVP still. Um, now, yeah. Tip your captain, Joe bro. He does have our number and a lot of chiefs fans probably aren't going to want to hear this, but if Mahomes is that 
Dan Marino, John Elway, big arm, mobile guy, creates plays, does awesome things. Joe Burrow's Joe Montana. Mm. Like, not the strongest arm guy, but he's wily, he's smart, and he's a gamer, and he's mentally tough, and he finds way to win, ways to win. You know what I mean? And so, I mean, it's just gonna Joe Burrow's gonna be an issue for it's not it's not anything that's going away. Joe Burrow's gonna be an issue for us for the rest of Mahomes' career. Like they're gonna have to play each other. And the craziest thing to think about is that our issues against the Bengals didn't start with Joe Burrow. I was I decided to go back and look at it. Since the turn of the century, since the year 2000, the Chiefs are three and nine against the Bengals. Really? Like I have no idea why. The Chiefs can't beat the Bengals. If if you remember back in the Trent Green days, well, A, you know, I hate the Bengals because they ruined Trent Green's career. They basically ended the man's career with a dirty hit that gave him that yeah. concussion. But even before that, there was a year under Dick Vermeil where I think we started out 8-0 and or something like that. We were the last undefeated team in the league, and the Bengals had won one game all year, and we lost to the Bengals. I think that was 2003 or something like that. We were We were doing great. And our first loss of the season came to the Bengals and they were horrible. We, for some reason, there's a voodoo dolls buried somewhere in skyline, (laughs) Chile, all across Cincinnati uh, that, that, that have the, that have a curse on the chiefs. I don't know why, but there's a Bengals curse against the chiefs and we got to find a way to break it. Uh, We need to look into that. We need to look into that. (laughs) There's clearly a curse somewhere. Um, I'm not, I'm not normally a guy for curses. And uh, I know know a lot of people before were saying Arrowhead was a curse because we hadn't won the Super Bowl in so long, but blah, blah, blah. But surely a curse has got to break at some point, right? It's got to, it's got to do it. Um, I think we will actually meet the Bengals at some point in the playoffs. I think that's going to be a given now because obviously they're chasing now um, against the Ravens, aren't they? They've they've got the Ravens next. I think they have, haven't they? Um, Yep. Without Lamar Jackson. Exactly. Um, Which might actually give them the edge uh, on this because Mm -hmm. Lamar Jackson is pretty much the guy. He is the Raven, isn't he? Um, Over there, uh, over in in Baltimore. So uh, yeah, it could be that uh, we might eventually meet again against the Bengals, and I really hope we don't. There's a lot of teams that I'm getting on a list at the minute where I really don't want to meet in the playoffs, but Bengals are probably top of that list right now. Um, but uh, one thing before we go uh, before we go to a break is uh, I just wanted to give a shout-out to uh, McDuffie. Um, he he oh, yeah. seems to be the lockdown corner that we've been looking for and searching for all this time. Um, he wasn't getting, uh, you know, Lamar Chase was not getting anywhere with McDuffie until he actually switched over to the other side of the field. And uh, that's when it started becoming a bit more fruitful for him. But McDuffie had his day, didn't he? He had his day with uh, with, with with Chase in this game. Um, the guy, I mean, he, he's just a, a phenomenal player. And I'm, I'm, I'm so angry that we didn't actually get him early in the season when he actually got injured. Um, because I think we we could have we could have won some of those games that uh, we actually lost at the beginning of the season without uh, without McDuffie on the field. But um, anyway, just wanted to give him a shout out. So I, I, I've ended it with a little bit of a glimmer of hope there. We've got we've got we've got a lockdown I, I, corner. <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, for all the problems the defense had on Sunday, it wasn't with our young corners. Like going yeah. against T Higgins and Jamar Chase, yeah, they're those two guys are going to get some they're going to have some success and they're going to get theirs but they didn't dominate the game like they did last season. Like our young cornerbacks played much better than, than you could even, you could ever ask them to do. So, I mean, Trent McDuffie's everything. 
he's advertised as, and then Joshua Williams really stepped up to the plate, I thought, also. So my hat's off to both of those guys for the way they played on Sunday. Right, we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be discussing the uh, league-wide power rankings, not the AP one this week. And we'll be also be discussing the week 15-14 matchup against the Denver Broncos. We'll speak to you soon. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hi there. Welcome back to the Great British Chiefs show with Brad and Rocky. Right. This is part of the show, which Tom normally does. Uh, So considering we've got American Tom with us. (laughs) It's coming home. It's coming home. It's coming home. (laughs) That's my Tom impersonation. (laughs) We thought we'd have a look at the power rankings because, um, well, we don't actually have the Arrowhead Pride power rankings uh, because obviously Tom is off this week uh but uh john has actually put up on the arrowheadpride.com um website uh kind of a bit of a flavor of what's happening around the league which is quite good actually it's it's trying you know trying to see where uh, where the chiefs, chiefs kind of sit in with uh, with the rest of um the league's power rankings now nfl.com had the chiefs um at 3 now they're down at 5th which i'm surprised the chiefs were even at 3 at that one point um crazy crazy to think that but nfl.com clearly think that the chiefs aren't the uh, number one seed at the moment espn have said that uh they've dropped down from first to second i can live with that i can live with that that's probably not where i would put the chiefs after this like this last game but anyway uh same with the athletic apparently they've taken them from first to second uh cbssports.com is down from one sorry they're down one from third to fourth yeah. So uh, there's a lot going on, isn't there? With uh, you know, the Chiefs are dropping a little bit, but not drastically, I would say. Um, there's there's a few organisations there have basically put Chiefs a little bit lower that I, you know, prior to this game, which I think is a little bit unfair um, because the Chiefs were still the one seed. Um, they were still, you know, uh, flying high and, and really confident at that point. And you know, to have the Chiefs not first prior to this game. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, uh, Rocky. It's, it, it seems a bit disrespectful, don't you think? Yeah, I think that the Chiefs probably – I had the Chiefs as number one going into last week's game. Yeah. But to have them tumbling down as far as four isn't mm. unreasonable 
given the circumstances. I mean, because the Bills went out and won, and yeah. they retook the number one seed in in the AFC. So you you've got to say that they're at least in in the conversation for the number one for the number one ranking. And then Philly keeps winning, so they got to still be in the conversation. That's one and two right there. And so then you're you're basically saying, okay, then are the Chiefs right now coming off of a a loss to the Bengals? Are they higher than the Cowboys? Are they higher than the Vikings or any of these other teams that won a game, right? You know, and so, I mean, it's not unfair to put them at at four mm. or five. Do I think that they're the fourth or fifth, the fourth or fifth, work, like like best team in the NFL? No, I still think they're top three best team in the NFL. Um, I think that it's a coin flip every single time we play the Bills, and I think that if I had to put money on Chiefs versus Eagles. I take the Chiefs every single time because I just think the AFC is that much more difficult. But I mean, you lose the game, you lose your you, lo- you lose your spot, right? I mean, that's 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 the name of the game, right there. Yeah, it, and it seemed to have a huge significance on this, didn't it? Especially for the MVP race and obviously the uh, you know the one seed. Um, it's interesting to think actually further down on the uh, the power rankings this week. Mile High Report had the Chiefs from first down to second. So they're still kind of worried about the Chiefs. And that kind of leads us into the next segment of this uh, this show, where we look at our next opponents, the Denver Broncos, who have had a bit of a torrid season. Is it is that safe to say, Rocky? This, this is the first time the Chiefs are going to be playing against the Broncos this year. And the Broncos must be, well, they must be absolutely bricking their pants right now. I mean, what more could you ask for this Christmas holiday season <laughs> than getting to play this Denver Broncos team twice down the stretch when you need to win to try to get the number one seed back? Like, yeah. I mean, if, if you ever, boys and girls, if you ever didn't believe in Father Christmas, this is proof right here that Santa Claus does exist, that we get <laughs> to play Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos twice going down the stretch to, to, end, to end this season. I mean, this this Broncos team is, I mean, it's just horrible. It, I mean, they're, they're a terrible, terrible, terrible team. Uh, Russell Wilson is a character of a celebrity at this point at best. He's a five-foot-nine quarterback on the wrong side of 30 whose arm strength isn't what it used to be, mm-hmm. and you have a head coach who's completely out of his depth. I mean, this is just, I mean, if the Chiefs don't, Go go into this game and walk away with at least a three score victory. Then I'm concerned with the Chiefs. Like the Chiefs should automatically walk into walk into the stadium and say, "Let's ride, let's ride. and just run rough shot right over this Broncos team." <laughs> you know, there's one word that I would I would actually describe the Denver Broncos right now, and that is disconnected. Let's ride because. The quarterback seems disconnected with his O-line and obviously his receivers. Um, the the head coach seems to be disconnected with his quarterback. Let's run. The whole thing, the whole setup right now with the Broncos is it's horrific. It is horrific. And and they can't seem to get anything going. I mean, they looked like they were actually going to win a game in the last game, don't they? Um, they looked like they were going to win a game. Uh, with just nine points. <laughs> I mean, to hang on to a game where you think you're going to win a game at nine points. I mean, where is the ambition from that team to actually go and strive to actually score more points? I mean, yeah, they clearly are trying, but 
the, the complete disconnect from every part, every element of it, of that franchise at the moment is glaringly obvious. Would you agree with that? A hundred percent. I think that for some reason in Russell Wilson's mind, he's still a top three quarterback yeah. in the NFL and he can, and he's Mr. Unlimited. It's Mr. Unlimited. But he needs to learn that he's a hundred percent limited. It's Mr. Limited. Like, like literally your height alone makes it so that you can't line up under center. You're one, they run a 100% shotgun offense because he can't see over his tackles. I mean, I mean, like Drew Brees had the same limitation, and Drew Brees, you know, went on to have a great Hall of Fame career. And Russell Wilson's going to be a Hall of Famer as well. But what you see with these smaller quarterbacks is that A, you need to have an elite head coach and scheme mm-hmm. to kind of to kind of offset that limitation. And then B, when they fall off, they fall off fast like there is no gradual decline for a five foot nine five foot ten quarterback in the nfl Mm -hmm. right like you're not going to just like just slowly have a downhill slide like tom brady has had you know throughout the course of his career it's it's when it happens it happens fast and i think that russell wilson is Oh man, can you believe that they gave him two hundred million dollars? That they're just stuck with this. Like they're just stuck with this for the foreseeable future. Like, like they can't even trade him away. They can't even trade him away for that because who's going to pick that up? (laughs) Yeah, they are just stuck with Russell Wilson as their quarterback. Doesn't matter if they get another coach. Like, like that is their situation, and they they can't cut him. They can't trade him. They could they could draft somebody, but they're still gonna they're they're still gonna be in salary cap hell because of this contract, you know. And uh, it's just such a great day to be a Chiefs fan <laughs> when the Denver Broncos are in such a predicament. Like like the Las Vegas Raiders are terrible and the Denver Broncos are terrible, and the Chiefs are 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 nine and three. I mean, yeah, we lost on Sunday, but think life is still really good. Oh, like, I mean, we, me and Tom said this in the last couple of weeks of the show. It was just the Chiefs have wrapped up the West already, um, and and we can drop a game like that against the, the the Bengals and still be quite confident because we're still three games ahead, aren't we? You know, yeah. um, and and three games ahead with a tiebreaker, um, and yeah, it, we can be confident with it. Um, yes, we're chasing the, the 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 one seed, and that's obviously something that we've we've still got our set our sights on. But we've got to get through the annoyance of actually playing. A Russell Wilson led Broncos team that is, well, it, it basically crap. Let's just say that. Um, and I'm, I know you came here for analysis, but crap's probably the only word I can actually describe right now that the the Broncos are playing because we all said that the Broncos team, especially with the wide receivers they've got, like you know, like the likes of Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, you you expected them if they could find their quarterback. They were going to be the team that's going to challenge the AFC West. They were going to challenge the Chiefs. Um, and we all said it. We all kind of got hoodwinked into the fact that they all they needed was a top-level quarterback. When Russell Wilson was signed, I must admit, I I was I was fearing the worst because I actually thought, do you know what? That's probably going to tip them over the edge now. And that's probably going to be something that they can really hang their hat on now. We're going to have Russell Wilson for quite a few years in the league. It's going to be a battle now because obviously we've got Justin Herbert there. I'm not really particularly bothered about Derek Carr, but Herbert and Wilson, I thought, God, this is going to be a real struggle getting out of this league. There we are in November where the Chiefs have literally wrapped up the AFC West. 
um, and and cruising through Christmas. It it it's like you said, it's beautiful being a Chiefs fan right now. It really is. Um, and even come back off a loss against the Bengals, you know, it, we do feel confident. We do feel happy about this team. And long may it continue. I, I just hope a lot of these teams just still keep messing up because the Raiders keep messing up as well. Uh, they, I think they were on about trying to tie in Derek Carr with another long-term contract. Whether that's going to happen or not, I don't know. It's, you know, it, I'm just laughing in the sidelines right uh, now. <laughs> I hope so. And I think I think one of the things that you could really point to with this Denver Broncos team is that they're not they're not talent bereft. Like they're not talent deficient on either side of the ball. They have players. Like if you give Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers or Joe Burrow, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and um what's the first name of their tight end? Dolich. Uh oh, Dolchich. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Dolchich, whatever his first name is, can't remember off the top of my head. Dolch is he's a, he's a great young player as well. You give them those targets and they're going to put up points and they're going to win football games, especially when you have the defense that they have on the other side of the ball. Like they have players, some playmakers on defense as well. Like there's no excuse for Russell Wilson to be as bad as he has been and for them not to be able to score touchdowns, which is why you have to put a hundred percent of the blame on the quarterback and on the head coach. Um, and I honestly, for one, I feel bad for Cortland Sutton. He had a chance to get out this past this past off season oh, yeah. and he chose he chose to sign resign with the denver broncos and they probably told him well hey man we're gonna get russell wilson in here and we're gonna actually make a run at this thing and we got a great offensive minded oh, coach geez. i mean he's been working with aaron Rodgers the last yeah. few years you know and he and aaron Rodgers won back-to-back you know mvps and so we're gonna get that scheme in here and it's gonna be a pass happy offense and man, it's just going to be really great for you, Cortland. You need to re-sign with us. <laughs> well, oh. again, again, everybody got hoodwinked by it, um, and it just seems to be that, yeah, Russell Wilson really isn't the answer. But uh, tough Denver fans, <laughs> you've got him for a long time. <laughs> um, uh-huh. Just a couple of facts to go through at the minute as well. Um, with a win against the Broncos, Andy Reid will only be the third head coach in NFL history to have. Eight consecutive double-digit winning seasons. That's pretty darn good for Andy Reid, isn't it? You know, eight consecutive winning seasons is one thing, but having it in double-digit <laughs> winning seasons, that's pretty darn impressive. And only the third head coach to do it as well. I mean, it just shows the consistency of of his coaching ability and the and the and that even with roster turnover, you know year in year out he gets the most out of his players and you know you can say what you want about you know time management or his lack of a killer instinct and you know those are some fair criticisms but the man has a formula that works like he like he knows he knows how to get a lead and he knows how to hold on to it and and basically ride out the clock and get a victory you know and it's a formula that served him very very well and he's won a lot of NFL games and the best, the best thing that ever happened to the two best things that ever happened to the Chiefs were Clark Hunt getting on that plane and flying out to Philadelphia to meet with Andy Reid and yeah. not come back until he got got him signed, and then them obviously drafting Patrick Mahomes. Like those are the two brightest moments in Chiefs history, and so we should be very thankful because there's a lot of teams year in year out that are looking for head coaches. I mean, heck, the Indianapolis Colts just pulled a guy off the, off of TV uh, in ESPN and Jeff Saturday, you know, to try to fill, fill their vacant coaching position. I mean, there's wow. such, 
there's so many teams whose head coaching positions are such a train wreck and they just, they, they spend years trying to find the right guy and they spend years trying to find the right quarterback. And we spent years trying to find the right quarterback and trying to find the right guy. Like we went, like, like, like we gave our pound of flesh of fans. We had our Todd Haley's and our Romeo Crennel's, you yeah. know, over the year, we had Tyler Thigpen and Brody Croyle yeah. starting football games and Damon Heward. And so, you know what? We've earned this. As we, deserve this. <laughs> we deserve this. We, we went through the suffering and now we finally are that team that has the legendary quarterback head coach combination. And I just hope that Andy Reed doesn't eat too many cheeseburgers because we just, we need the man in good health. Like, like Patrick Mahomes, stop building Whataburgers near Andy. <laughs> Don't build one near Andy Reed's house. Like we need to cordon off a certain like green zone area of no cheeseburger establishments yeah. within like a 10 mile radius of Andy Reed's house. Cause we need the man in good health. We need him in good health so he can continue to coach this football team and lead us into the future. Just talking about quarterbacks there and the draft and stuff like that. I feel sorry for young quarterbacks these days going into the draft because every team is still looking for the next Mahomes. You see it all the time, don't you? They they pick it, you know, they they go high, they, you know, they get these quarterbacks coming out of college that have, yeah, they've got the numbers and they've got the, you know, the flashy plays and stuff like that. But when they get into the NFL, a lot of them don't make it. A lot of them don't really kind of, uh, you know, cut the mustard, so to speak, um, because everybody's looking for the next Mahomes. And it's it's that level now that a lot of these teams are looking for um, that I, I it's like it's almost like. It's like the Holy Grail that you can't find, you can't reach it. Mahomes is Mahomes. You ain't going to get anybody else better than Mahomes. Um, and teams just need to give up on it. I'm, I'm trying to find a, a, a next Mahomes because there isn't one out there. Yeah, you know, and what's going to happen is the next quote-unquote Mahomes isn't going to look like or play like Mahomes mm. at all. Before Mahomes, everybody was looking for the next Tom Brady yeah. or for the next Peyton Manning. And before that, they were looking for the next John Elway slash Joe Montana slash Dan Marino. And before that, they were looking for what? The next Johnny Unitas, you know? Like, yeah. Like, 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 the, like the game continues to evolve and the players continue to evolve in a way that – that the next guy isn't going to look like the last guy. Mm -hmm. Right. And when you try to put this burden of being the last guy on these new guys who come out, like, like Zach Wilson, for instance, like, unless they're that guy, then they're going to crumble. The best thing you can do is do what the chiefs did. Like, honestly, Patrick Mahomes may have not have been Patrick Mahomes. If he didn't get his first season mm -hmm. to, to learn under Alex Smith, mm -hmm. like you want, a, you want to draft a, a high tool upside guy. And what you want to do is get a good game managing quarterback and then draft the high tool upside guy and let the high tool upside guy learn how to manage a game mm -hmm. from the, from the game managing quarterback like Alex Smith. The Chiefs handled it perfectly. And that's part of the reason why Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes today. Patrick Mahomes gets drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Like there's no way that he's Patrick yeah. Mahomes today. Like, like, you know, like, like people might say, Oh, Mahomes is going to be Mahomes regardless. No, like, I'll, I'll I'll die on that hill. It, it 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 what organization drafts you matters, and and the coaching staff and the and the roster that's already in place matters. You know, and I think that on the last New Heights podcast, or maybe the one before that, Jason and Travis Kelsey both mentioned like you know you have guys like Aaron Rodgers who say it's not my job to mentor 
my mm. replacement or Ryan Tannehill said that. And they both called BS on that. They said, that just tells me you're a bad teammate. Yeah. Right. Like, because regardless, your, your number one job as a player is to try to make the team successful. And if this guy's going to make the team successful and he's your teammate, then you should be there for him. And that's what Alex Smith did. Um, and so I really think that, that it, like, it doesn't matter, like, like to an extent, it matters which guy you draft, but if you don't have everything else in place, then you're just going to keep drafting the wrong guy over and yeah. over again. I, I think a player who says he's it's not his job to coach or even kind of help along a, a new rookie player, I think that's the person who has the insecurities that he's worried that this person's going to steal my job. And, you know, that's that to me, if I was a rookie going into that and and I had a, you know, a veteran player like Aaron Rodgers saying that it's not, you're not my job, you know, you're nothing to do with me and, and, and just not talk to me all the time. That would drive me even more to try and beat this guy out. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, it's not helping the team at all. It's just causing that, that divide, that animosity. And it's, yeah, it's, it's showing your insecurities as well. Doesn't it, don't you kind of think, I mean, I could be wrong here, but I kind of feel like when a guy says, it's not my job to help out this rookie, he's kind of saying, I'm not that guy. I'm not the guy. I'm not, I'm not him. I'm not that, I'm not that legendary, awesome guy still, you know, like, cause I, you're right. I have that insecurity. I'm afraid he's going to take my job. If you, if you have no fear that he's going to take your job and that you still believe you're the best quarterback, then it doesn't matter if you help anybody else get better because you're still better than they are. And the coaching staff is going to see that. Mm-hmm. Right. But the mentality you have to have, whether you it's your first year in the league or your 12th year in the league, mm-hmm. it's like Isaiah Pacheco had when he was drafted. He said, I'm coming in and I'm trying to take a grown man's job. Like that's my mindset. And you got to say, think every single training camp, when you go in, you got to have that mindset of, okay, guess what? There's people trying to take my job and I'm going to take, I'm going to, I'm going to take their job. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make it to where they can't take my job. I'm going to prove that this is still my job, you know? And if you can't do that anymore, then you deserve to have your job taken. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, we're just finishing up the, uh, the Broncos kind of uh, segment. Um, let's talk about key players quickly. <laughs> yeah yeah Talk well, about back to the, back to the broncos after we've the broncos. all around the league talked about quarterback you know, philosophy and being a good teammate and everything no tangents here no 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 rabbit trails at all you know just you know what we're meant to be talking about the broncos but we've just basically said the crap move on let's crack on with something yeah. else <laughs> yeah the crap let's just talk about quarterbacks and football and the nfl draft <laughs> Um, is there any key players on the Broncos team that you think, yeah, they 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 could give us some issues in this? Um, I mean, the only player that sticks out in my mind, and he had a good game in the last one, was Dulcich, really. Um, I don't, what about you? Anybody, anybody you can pick out who you think they could have a game here? Yeah, I mean, Patrick Sertain is always a concern on the outside. Yeah. You know, if especially we you know the Chiefs kind of live and die by throwing the ball. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta account for him. Um, you gotta account for uh, what you gotta count for Simmons on the back end of the defense. Mm. And then the one thing that like, it's not a concern because Russell Wilson is their quarterback, but the chiefs have struggled against tall wide receivers this year. Mm. If you think about it, you know, Michael Pittman, Jr., Alec Pierce, Mike Williams, you know, like, like whenever the chiefs go against taller wide receivers, 
with the exception of them playing admirably against the Bengals, but it's not like they shut down their taller wide receivers, right, though? So the Chiefs have had some struggles against tall wide receivers this year, and Cortland Sutton is 6'4", and so I could see a situation where, you know, they're down late in the game and Russell Wilson just starts chucking up prayer balls, you know, down the field and Cortland Sutton goes up high. Now, that being said, here's the caveat. When the Chiefs were struggling the most with those tall wide receivers was before Trent McDuffie. Yeah. Was was you know, so he's he's kind of been the 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 leveler, the field leveler there. And so I mean, really when you're thinking about there's no real reason that the Chiefs should lose this game or struggle. I mean, they got a good middle linebacker in Alex Singleton, but it's not like a middle linebacker is going to be the difference between you winning and losing no, for the so. most part, unless you're talking like, like, like a random, you know, fourth and goal from the one yard line and you need to win. And he makes that one highlight real play. But I mean, there's really, there's just not a lot to highlight on this, on this Broncos team. Like they have individual players who are good, yeah, but they're missing the, like they're not the, the connective unit, tissue. Yeah. yeah, like they're they're missing the connected tissue to tie it all together, you know. So disconnected, disconnected, <laughs> disconnected. They're disconnected. They're just a bag of body parts with no <laughs> tendons to hold them together. Just Make a, something with just that. A, put the put the yeah, just, just a like burlap sack. Yeah, <laughs> of body parts. They're just an island of misfit toys, is what they are. <laughs> all right, then uh, predictions. I'm going to go with a Chiefs. Absolute blowout, 42-3. Yeah. See, I was, man, I was going to go 41-10. to 10. Whoa, right, okay. Okay. Yeah. So but you, I think, think that the, you think they'll actually get a touchdown, the Broncos? Yeah, I think it's going to be a garbage time touchdown. Yeah. I think that it's going to be, that the Chiefs are going to come out, blow the doors off of them, and then, Late in the fourth quarter, the defense is going to get lackadaisical, and they're going to go in to prevent defense, and they're going to hand the ball off a couple of times. They're going to get some big runs. They'll get in the red zone, and they'll throw a jump ball to Cortland Sutton, and he'll come down with it, and it'll be a meaningless touchdown. So uh, we're predicting it all to be over by the first quarter, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Basically, (laughs) you don't have to really pace yourself if you're drinking and watching this game. Because all the all the best parts are going to be by halftime, right? So just 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 hit it hard and then take a nap. Just get absolutely hammered in the first quarter. Don't worry about the yeah. the other three quarters. Yeah, don't worry about. That. <laughs> yeah, don't skip the skip the PBR or or Guinness or whatever, and just go straight to whiskey and just just have a good time. <laughs> hit the hard stuff. <laughs> Drink <Yeah>. responsibly. <laughs> Do it at anyway. home or with a DD or with an Uber <laughs> driver, right? But uh, yeah. But just, just have fun in the first half. <laughs> oh, man. Right. Well, that's all we've got time for this week. A uh, huge thank you to my man, Rocky Magania, for stepping in. Um, Tom should be back next week, um, unless England destroy France 5-0 in the World Cup, then in which case you'll probably have gone wall again. So we might, we might see you again, Rocky, next week. But really appreciate you coming on, man. It's, it really helped me out today, uh, this week as well because it would have just been me speaking into a microphone and nobody just wants to hear that, do they? If you've enjoyed the show, uh, please tell us about it by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. All the reviews are acknowledged and read out on the, on the Arrowhead Pride editor's show. 
So check that out when you can. Uh, also, have a great weekend, Chiefs Kingdom, and make sure you get all the Chiefs news and updates from our website, arrowheadpride.com. But all that's left to say here is, from one kingdom to another, we'll speak to you again soon.